Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friar Lounge Podcast, where we regularly talk in-depth about the San Diego Padres. We cover the big league club, our minor league clubs, rumors, and the NL West. Let's get started. I'm your host, Mark Collier, and welcome to episode number one of the Friar Lounge Podcast. I'm joined today by the one and only Nick Recchia and George Arce. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having us on. Absolutely. Thank you, Mark. How you doing, fellas? Uh, doing great, guys. I'm look, looking forward to talking some baseball tonight. So we're gonna we have uh, three topics we're gonna touch on tonight, and uh, I'd like to start first by by talking about uh, the Padres starting pitching. Spring training is underway, and uh, pitchers and catchers have reported, and we're starting to see the position players show up. Um, I'm excited about the season, and, and baseball's in the air. Let's let's jump right in and start talking about the starting pitching. Um, one topic that is of interest to me is is uh, Garrett Richards. He's a guy that you know. I feel like with a lot of these other guys, we kind of know. You know, we have some expectations from for for Chris Paddock and and the Nelson Lamette and and you know Davies, uh, even Lucchese. But you know. Garrett Richards is one guy that I think is, is a bit of a wild card this year. Um, coming off Tommy John, pitched a few handful of games for us last year. Um, Nick, I, I want to start with you to, tonight. And, and what are your thoughts on Garrett Richards? Um, can you give me a, a comp for maybe what you might envision for him? And uh, what do you think we're going to see from him this year? Garrett Richards, uh, he had the two-year $15.5 million variety. Uh, obviously, that deal that was signed uh, in the off season before the nineteen season, um, really, with him, you're looking at the ultimate wild card. It's not pitched a full season in a little bit over four years. So, when healthy, though, you're looking at somebody who is probably possesses one of the top five when it comes to just pure stuff. It's a fastball that sits ninety five to ninety eight. It's a wipeout, high 80s slider that kind of reminds you of one of his new teammates, Nelson Lamette. Uh, it's, it's just, it's dynamite. Literally, it's dynamite kind of stuff. The biggest problem is his inability to stay on the field and stay healthy. So that is going to be the biggest wild card of the entire pitching staff. The best case scenario, Garrett Richards performs like an ace, gives you 175 innings of three-run ball and striking out a about nine per nine innings. That is the best case scenario. Worst case scenario is he finds himself on the IL early into the season and fails to get off it throughout the year. George, I'd like to, to get your thoughts and uh, weigh in on what you think um, we're going to see from Richards. But um, you know, you you wrote a piece recently on uh, about uh, Joey Lucchese, and I'd like to get your thoughts on on quickly on Richards, but also love to hear more about your thinking. Uh, on Lucchese for the season. Yeah, with Richards, I'll be quite honest. I'm not going to get super uh, excited about Richards just due to the health factor. Uh, the reality is that since 2015, um, he hasn't been healthy. He In 2016 and 17, he played in only six games. Uh, the year after, he did uh, hit 16 games, and since then is when the Padres got him. So uh, he did get three starts toward the end of the season where his ERA was about an eight, 8.31, I believe. Uh, I understand he's recovering, so he's probably not letting loose at that point. But 
again, uh, I guess there's potential there. He's got the stuff, as Nick said. Uh, if he's healthy and out of the gates, he can give us something. Um, we should be excited. But if he gets hurt a month, two months in, again, Pottery fans, we shouldn't be surprised. Um, segwaying into the Lucchese question, I think uh, I'm excited about what Joey Fuego can get us into. And again, if Richards gets hurt, I think we have uh, Quantrill right in the wings, ready to hop into the rotation. And uh, we've seen what he can do after the All-Star break. But back to Joey. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wrote a recent article, and uh, I think his stuff plays. He's developing a third pitch, which hopefully can get him uh, through the lineup a third time successfully. Uh, his batting average uh, versus opponents in the first two at-bats were about 220, where it jumped to 285 the third time around. So uh, at the major league level, you have to develop a third pitch, hit your spots, and uh, I think Joey Fuego can do that. So I'm excited to see what he can do as our only uh, lefty in the rotation. I hope to see him maybe in the three spot just to mix up looks, and uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and George, you mentioned the only lefty in the rotation. I think that's a, a big point of why I think he's going to earn that spot, at least out the gate. Um, you know, not, not let's not forget about an important piece that we could could very well see uh, here at some point is uh, Mackenzie Gore. You know, time will tell when he actually spends time uh, at Petco. I feel like it's it's inevitable at some point he's going to make his appearance um, this year. But, um, you know, the reality is the Padres have depth. There's a lot of depth there. And, you know, between Cal Quantrill and um, Baez, Morjone, Gore, Patino, these are all guys who are, you know, maybe not quite ready to take that, but they're pieces that are um, effectively going to be important pieces for the Padres, whether trade pieces or, um, you know, you know, Jace Tingler was talking about the other day. It's very important to have uh, depth, and that depth's going to be needed. So there's a lot more to talk about, certainly Paddock, uh, Lamette. Um, you know, maybe quickly give me your, your – who was your five? I'll, I'll tell you right now, the five is going to be Chris Paddock to Nelson Lamette, health-permitting Garrett Richards, Joey Lucchese, and Zach Davies. And I think Zach Davies is really a – underrated acquisition for the Padres this year. Um, I, I know he doesn't have the blowed away kind of stuff that the three righties at the top of the rotation give you. Uh, mainly it's going to be a, a high 80s fastball. But he's going to mix and match. He's going to change speeds, change eye locations. He is, he's going to pitch. Um, and we talk about changing um, different looks throughout a rotation. Having him in, in the mix as well there is really going to really going to mess with hitters' timings in a series, especially when you have, if he, let's say he's in the five hole, and you got Chris Paddock and Denelson Lamette following him up. Uh, that's certainly some a different look and some different pitches that you're going to see, but one of the more underrated acquisitions, I think. I don't think that Davies is necessarily the, the four or the five. I, I think he could slot nicely, you know, Lucchese or Davies, to me, are the three or the four. Um I feel like that's Garrett Richards is going to have to pitch real well in spring, and and I'm just not sold that he's number three, um, especially because also he's he's not guaranteed anything past this year. I think Davies the Padres have him, I, I believe, two years of control, um, and, and I think you know he's more of a longer term piece for this team, and um, I think it'll be interesting to see. To me, it makes sense to have a little balance with Lucchese kind of mixing things up somewhere along in the middle. 
Um, you know, I think that obviously depends on how Jace Tingler sees this. But George, what are you, what's your five? I'll, 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 wrap, I'll finish up with mine at, when, when you're done. Um, no, uh, I'm going to agree with Tank 100%. Uh, your locks, again, uh, depending on health, is going to be Paddock and Lament uh, fronting the rotation. Uh, Lucchese, I believe, slots three. Uh, again, Richards, depending on health, and Mr. Davies uh, somewhere there in the four or five spot. And uh, I'll be honest, I'm excited about Davies. He's a very under-the-rating under the radar acquisition, but last year he, you know, threw 160 innings, uh, was 10 and seven at a three and a half clip ERA. And that'll bring us definitely a high level of more uh, consistency than uh, the guy he was replacing in Eric Lauer, who unfortunately uh, showed us minimal success and, and against one team. And it's a big team to have success against and it's the Dodgers, but ultimately we need overall consistency in the rotation. And uh, Davies gives us that. Well, and Eric Lauer being the, being the uh, opening day starter last year, he's now going to be pitching for the uh, Brewers. And uh, I, I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And I would say, guys, I, I agree that the, the starting the five you guys mentioned, I think the order is, is up for debate. And that's something that we can talk about another day. But I would agree the same five. I, I think this will be interesting to see because Cal Contra is a guy that, you know, if he pitches his butt off in spring, could be a candidate to, to make this team. And, and, does he end up being the long guy? What is his role going to be? Because obviously we know we have a stacked bullpen. Um, we can talk more about that more this evening. So this is this is going to be a, an interesting to see how Jace Tingler in his first spring training with the Padres, how this shakes out. But I think it's fair to say that the five we've mentioned feels like what we're going to be starting the season with, health, health permitting. Uh, so uh, well, great, great conversation, gentlemen. Uh, I'd like to segue a bit to – to talk about the uh, battery mates of these uh, starting pitchers. And, um, you know, one thing is this uh, topic that I think it's, it keeps coming up is uh, the, the Padres catching. And Francisco Mejia is the guy now. He's the, the guy who's been kind of handed the reins, if you will. Uh, it feels like Austin Hedges is, you know, fighting for a bats and, and, Rightfully so, because he's not a very good bat and he has a very long swing. And um, George, I'm going to start with you. Um, uh, Francisco Mejia has has an opportunity to take a step forward and be a top ten catcher in Major League Baseball this year. What do you expect from this guy? And and you know, shoot shoot it straight. What what do you what do you think we're going to see from this guy this year? Well, I'm just going to say it. I expect a lot out of Francisco Mejia. He was the number one touted catching prospect uh, a couple years back. Uh, we traded a top reliever to get him, and I'm super excited uh, about what he can do with the with the with the, um, the bat. Defensively is where he needs to, you know, improve with his framing, his blocking of pitches, and Rod Barajas hopefully is working with them out of the gates um, here in spring training. But uh, Francisco Mejia, I've, I've told you guys, my comp for him in a couple years is going to be uh, Yasmani Grandal. Yasmani, we gave up on him a little bit early, wasn't the best defensively, and now he's one of the best framers in the league. And Francisco Mejia finished the last two seasons, I think, in 285, somewhere uh, somewhere around there. And uh, despite him starting the season slow and having one rough month, he, uh, you know, he finished at 265 for the season. And, uh, you know, you got to give him kudos for that. He's still young and uh, has a lot to grow, but Again, it's a big season for the Padres. He's going to have to handle a powerful pitching staff, and uh, I'm excited to see him grow in the role. Yeah, a kid needs more ABs. That's the reality, and I think moving from 
you know, I think uh, Hedges had about 100 more at-bats last season or close to it, and that, that's got to change. Uh, obviously, he needs to be healthy. He was injured twice last year, and that, that makes a, a, a big difference. Uh, hopefully, we'll see him being healthy. And, um, you know, Nick, why don't you jump in here and, and give me your thoughts on what's – what, what's 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 important here, and maybe you could touch a little bit on uh, Austin Hedges. Yeah, obviously the, the big thing about Frankie Mejia is there's tools that you just don't see every day out of the catching position. It's a switch hitting catcher. It looks like with plus hand eye coordination, he has the ability to be an above average hitter, above average power with, with very very strong wrists, uh, and then. Straight up, one, one of the strongest arms from the catcher position. So right there with uh, Jorge Alfaro of the Marlins as well. You're consistently seeing pop times that are sub 2.0. Uh, if they could clock readings there, like with stat cast, things like that, it certainly is, it's a 90-mile-an-hour arm coming out from the catcher position. In terms of Austin Hedges, uh, defensively, you know, it, it's everything you want from a catcher. He, he's good at framing, he's good at blocking, he's good at calling a game, he's good at throwing out runners. How a, the, the change in um, going from umps to like a, a digital kind of strike zone, how that changes things, is yet to be seen, but mainly it's just a black hole when it's coming from the bat. You cannot have a position player have 300 plus ABs during a season and hit 176 for the year, 178, something like that. That's just, you, you can't do it in the National League when you already have a pitcher hitting. And that pitcher's not Madison Bumgarner hitting. You, you better have a number eight hitter who can make contact, at least hit his own body weight. I'll, and I'll be honest, there's plenty of times where I, I, I was in a situation where I was like, okay, um, Hedges is coming up, the pitcher's coming up. I got a chance to, I can go get some dinner. You know, I got, I got, I got better things to do. Um, you know, that's not what you want from a major league ball club, you know, you expect have an opportunity for him to be able to, to, to get a single, uh, maybe have a guy bunt him over, but that's just, you know, he's got a very long swing. He's not a very good bunter. Um, you know, you just need more from the guy. And I think the Padres would be smart to really take a look at his swing and just try and shorten up the swing a little bit. Um, you know, and, and some of these professionals, like even Fran Mel Reyes, who's now a, a Cleveland Indian, Spent a lot of time, you know, uh, trying to situationally look at, and that, that's going to be a big part of this team. A situation looking at, you have two strikes, shorten up your swing, get on base, make make something happen. And I don't see that from him. And with Frankie, I feel like that's a something that he does. And while he's a free swinger, he also can hit balls that no one else can hit uh, in parts of the zone that nobody's going to be swinging at. And so, you know, let, let's not forget that the guy had a 50 game hitting streak at the double a level um that's hard to do at any level in baseball so anyway um and, and i would i would say we'd be amiss if we didn't talk a little bit about luis camposano who's in camp as well um saw some video on him his, his uh swing looks great um certainly not major league ready but an exciting piece that um time will tell when we actually see him um and he's he's a thick big kid who's uh looks like looks major league ready but certainly you know needs some more time and more seasoning but uh um will be exciting Padres also have Luis Torrens which is, is a nice piece that uh, of course he spent the uh, season with the Padres after being part of the rule five draft uh, Luis Torrens 
I think that's somebody that oftentimes gets overlooked, especially because due to him being a Rule 5 draft pick and losing his prospect eligibility, you kind of see him lost in the shuffle when it comes to prospect lists because of that, because he's no longer a prospect, obviously. But in context, he was a 23-year-old catcher last year at AA, which was age-appropriate, had an 877 OPS, is a advanced defensive catcher already. He's starting to show you a lot of tools and skill set that a starting major league catcher has. And if Mejia takes it and runs with that job, Torrance's performance at AAA, if it continues to develop, the person that should be the most concerned about that might be Austin Hedges. If, if Hedges is bad, doesn't progress and get significantly better, Torrance, I think, will be pushing for that second catching position in San Diego fairly soon. I think that uh, at some point here soon, uh, Hedges is, just doesn't have a place on this team. I think for now, he's he's a perfect backup on this club because we have young pitching. And we have a guy who can, can help with that youth, but there's going to come a time where he just doesn't have a spot unless he can, you know, he can change things with the stick. Uh, hopefully that's the case, but, you know, is, is that going to happen, George? Is that going to, is, is that, do you see that in the, the cards for, for him, or is, is he a Padre beyond 2020? Well, I mean, we're talking about Torrens, right? Oh, uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, Austin Hedges. Uh, oh, Hedges. Um, yeah, I think so. Again, uh, we got to make sure with Mejia that, that he continues to develop, and I think Hedges, now that we've added some offense to the team, some guys that will be getting on base more often, I think you can afford uh, to have Hedges, but um, I don't think Hedges is our every day. He'll, he'll be in there as your maybe once, twice a week starter, so he does bring some value. You know, I, I will say that. Uh, in terms of the depth of the catchers that we were talking at the minor league um, level, though, I, I got to say the Padre organization has to be comfortable where we're at because we just traded Austin Allen. We just traded Logan Driscoll. So uh, they're comfortable with the depth we have. And like Tank talked about, Luis Torrens, sounds like he's, he feels like he's been in the organization for five, six seasons, and he's still, he's still what, 23, 24? So, again, the rule – the Rule 5 draft we got him a couple years ago with Alan Cordova um, feels like it was many years ago, but he's still young and gives us depth, and he's been growing as well. Uh, Luis Camposano, for me, in my opinion, in a perfect world in two, three seasons, he's back enough for Francisco Mejia, who's an all-star catcher in 25 bombs a year at a 285 clip. That's what I hope to see. Um, or if the pods uh, you know, have to use Camposano as a trade, big trade piece, at the break to get that ace that we need to get to, to go for the big run, um, so be it. But uh, a lot of value and a lot of depth with the catching position. So so I am happy with it overall. Yeah, it, it's hard to, to dislike what the Padres have from a catching position. Uh, Blake Hunt's another guy who's not really close, but you know if the Padres do need to use Camposano as a trade chip, that he's the type of defensive guy who could come in and, and play – uh, alongside uh, Camposano as well uh, here in the future. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. And one, I think one other thing to mention about Hedges is, you know, spring training we're going to see the, the robo-umps. And, you know, his ability as a framer, and any catcher for that matter, the ability to frame, is that going to be as important uh, as we move? Um, is once the umpires are effectively being phased out, um how, how important is that going to be at the major league level? So we, we talked a little bit about kind of all, all, all we're going to talk about tonight, all, all the different pieces here. We talked about starting pitching, talked about our, our cat, the battery catchers. 
And I'd like to move on to the bullpen. Um, Padres recently picked up another bullpen piece, um, Pagan, from the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, in, in exchange, Margot uh, went over there and, and now joined his uh, former teammate, Hunter Renfro. Uh, guys, you know, the reality is, is this bullpen, uh, you know, Depending on which coast you are on, West Coast or East Coast, there's going to be some different conversations that are had about who's who has the best uh, bullpen in baseball. And some people say the Yankees, some people say the Padres. But you know, this is a dynamic bullpen, and we should all be excited about it. Uh, George, you know, give me give me your your top two. Like, who are you, who are the two you're most excited about uh, in the bullpen, and and why? Probably say, you know, my two favorites right now are going to be uh, Munoz. Uh, you know, the kid's young, and the guy hits consistently triple digits on the uh, on the gun, and uh, and he's got a nasty slider too. And and you combine that with, you know, 102 miles an hour, uh, you're going to make a lot of batters uh, look silly in that box. Uh, the other guy's going to be Drew Pomerantz. I know he threw some 20 something innings last year. We we gave him a lot of money to come out for four years, but a good left hander. Now with the uh, minimum batter rule of three, a guy that can get out lefty and righties, I think is uh, completely underrated, but I think it plays well. So uh, I'm excited for those two in the bullpen. But, yes, I will say, uh, you know, between the Yankees and the Padres, you're talking about the two best bullpens in baseball. And for a team like the Padres that are going young with the rotation, I think it's important to get a lot of good arms in the bullpen. And at some point in the season, don't be surprised if we, uh, you know, end up having bullpen games. Yeah, and – I think that you know you touched on some of the you know the new faces you know Drew Pomerantz is one of those guys and Padres last year you know dealt with a lot of injury and that was a big piece I think of, of why I think Preller went out and spent some money to to shore up that bullpen to have that depth you know Castilla was hurt Loop was hurt Warren was hurt last year it's, we we struggled you know just keeping guys healthy and that was part of the reason I think a lot of these young kids came up you know Baez and guys like that who probably Maybe weren't major league ready, um, but you know effectively got their chance because of, of, of injuries and, and things like that. But Nick, Nick, your thoughts? Um, maybe give me your top two and and what do you overall think of the dynamic Padre bullpen? It's uh, it, it's lightning. It, it is straight dynamite. Uh, going right from the top with, with Kirby, uh, it's it's just the sheer depth of talented arms coming from the pen. Uh, when, when your back end is Gates with his splitter now, and then you're looking at a combination of Pomeranz, Munoz, Emilio Pagan, who was acquired in the Manny Margot trade, he was the de facto closer for the Rays last year. Um, had some, some big playoff moments for them last year even. Uh, when he's your setup guy, and you're talking about Pomeranz as your almost Andrew Miller light, and Munoz is expected to come in sometimes in the sixth inning and, and get outs. That's that's very uh, that's cruel and unusual punishment to a lot of foes in the National League. When Andres Munoz is coming out with his hundred mile an hour fastball in the sixth inning to get outs, and that's not even touching on a, a Jose Castillo, who I think personally is going to be one one of the you kind of touched on one of the key pieces that was missed last year due to injury. Um, him coming back, that kind of arm. There was very few pitchers that the Padres have had in the last handful of years that had as awkward swings from hitters coming out of the pen than Jose Castillo did. 
And I, I think he struck out at one point five five guys in a row. Um, but one of his yep. first appearances. He started off his career by striking out Joey Votto, Eugenio Suarez, and Adam Duvall. One, two, three. So that was also pretty impressive. Three guys that have all made All Star teams. Yeah, he's he's pretty dynamic, and I think overall, uh, I touched on a little bit is the you know, with with starting pitching even or or even in a bullpen, you can never expect a, a team to stay completely healthy. And I think the Padres, if one or two go, guys go down, they still have plenty of depth and ability in this bullpen to be to be dominant. Knock on wood that hope everybody remains healthy, but. Uh, you know, I think as a major league club and, and with the investments these teams make, you can never count on that. And I'm, I'm excited to see about what the Padres have. Getting Pagan, you picked up another, um, I believe it's a f- player of four years in control, which is huge for uh, for a team like the Padres who need that control, who need to be thinking about their, their economics. Uh, I'm very, very excited about it. You know, a couple guys that are intriguing to me are, you know, Guys that I would say is, is Matt Stram and, and Craig Stamen. These guys are Craig Stamen um, re-signed as a Padre, um, comes back, give them stability. I think his role will be effectively different this year. But uh, Matt Stram, you know, I think similar to Paddock, had some restrictions last year in terms of, of you know, with his knee and things like that. And the Padres kind of like uh, handheld him a little bit. And I think the gloves are off this year and, He's going to be a, a bullpen guy and not going to be splitting time in the starting rotation or anything like that. He's going to be a, um, a nice piece for the Padres and um, interesting to see where what how things shake out with him and what what's his role ultimately going to be with, with so many arms. But Padres have the depth, they have the pieces, and and like you said, George, it shortens the shortens the game. Uh, you know, you know if you can get five good innings and you can get to the bullpen. Padres have a lead. They have a dynamic offense, and and you know, gentlemen, maybe we should touch on that briefly. You know, as we we've, we've talked about the, the 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 how the Padres have built the, the bullpen and built the built the uh, starting rotation. You know, let's touch briefly on the the new offense and how do how do we effectively get score enough runs in that first part of the game so we can get it to the pen. And Nick, uh, what are your thoughts? And maybe I'll maybe I'll kick this to you as far as like. You know, thinking about how how the how the Padres effectively, you know, they're going to have a, you know, starting pitchers are going to go five or six innings, right? And then and the goal is to get it to the bullpen. You know, what does the offense need to do in order to to get uh, to to pass the baton to make sure that the Padres have enough runs uh, to 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 effectively win more games? Obviously, we won seventy games last year. Be a playoff team, you need to be thinking about ninety wins. What's the, what's that strategy for first year manager Jay Stingler? I think ultimately it's going to boil down to, to playing fundamentals. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> I'm going to give you a John Maddenism right there. It, the object of the game is to score more runs than the other team. So how do you do it? Obviously, there's some supremely talented players on the roster. Anytime you have Fernando Tatis, Manny Machado, Tommy Pham, uh, that's a pretty gar- pretty darn good start right there. Um, but it's it's going to be about playing better matchups. It's going to be about better base running. And uh, Tommy Pham has already kind of hit this on the head when he was with Tampa. And when they asked him when he came to San Diego and played against us last year, you know what was something he kind of took from that series? And 
one of the things he mentioned was the Padres struck out a lot. And he was like, hey, I strike out you know, a good amount too. But he's like, you got to make pitchers work for it. And there was too many at-bats where he felt like their pitchers, when he was with the Rays, kind of got off easy. They got through an at-bat fairly quickly instead of having to, to fight and battle with every at-bat. So uh, I think that kind of mentality from him hopefully is a, a culture change when it comes to quality of at-bats and, and battling and fighting at, at home play for every single thing. His on-base percentage, I think, is, is a testament to that kind of mindset, um, to work counts and to battle. Uh, if that rubs off on a lot of his counterparts, uh, you're looking at some pretty good things. And that mindset also has been kind of a revolving theme with acquisitions this offseason. From Tommy Pham to Trent Grisham uh, to even Jerkson Profar. You're looking at additions that are all fairly good on base percentage guys. And that is usually a, a pretty consistent thing that those guys will share is battling through an at-bat. So that's uh, definitely, to, if you want to take the lead, get up early, work counts, get starting pitchers, because not every team's got a bullpen like the Padres. Usually you want to get into the opposing team's bullpen. Uh, you do that by working counts and getting those starters out earlier as you can. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting year, guys. Uh, you know, certainly this is the time of year where there's a lot of optimism. Uh, you know, but the reality is Padres are ending, entering their 51st season. Lots of... Uh, Lots of pain and suffering over this last 50 years. Of course, we've had a couple World Series appearances, and uh, we've won one World Series game. Um, the expectations are high. There's a lot of a lot of opportunity. A guy like Pham brings a, a different mindset to this team, and, of course, Tatis playing a full season, that makes a big difference here as well. Uh, you know, we're going to be we're gonna be there in spring here soon. Uh, looking forward to being there with you guys, and, um, talking to the players, um, you know, soaking it up and getting ready for the season. But, you know, optimism should be high. The, the teams are spending money and we're, we're uh, Padres are spending money and, and, you know, we've got, we've got some nice pieces there. I think there's one more bat that we would all love to see um, join the outfield or join the club here at some point. But I guess we'll, we'll, we'll find out if Preller's done. So, um, gentlemen, w with this being our first podcast, I think it's important that we, we kind of, get a little bit nostalgic here for a little bit. And, and what I'd like to do is, is jump into our, our last little quick segment here. Um, being that we're all, you know, lifelong Padre fans, I think it's important to talk about, you know, maybe, maybe some of our favorite moments over the years. And maybe, um, so one that we were talking about the other day that uh, we all share, and this might date us a bit, but um, we've all, we were all at the, uh, the Roseanne Barr game. And I don't, know, I don't know if that's a proud moment for, for Padre fans, but, that's something that we all share. Um, we, we saw Roseanne Barr screeching from um, the, the pitching diamond, uh, or excuse me, from home plate, um, screeching the national anthem, which I don't think was a proud moment, but it's it's a comical moment. In, in some ways, a sad moment. But uh, uh, do you guys have anything to say about that moment, George? What were you uh, What were you doing when you were uh, listening to Miss Barr um, screeching from uh, from Qualcomm? Yeah, well, I, I thought there was squealing animals on the field, so I had to run to where I was at at the concession stand, and I saw that it was, uh, yeah, Roseanne Barr attempting to sing the uh, Star Spangled Banner and then deciding to grab her crotch and spit. And so, uh, yeah, there's some things you just can't unsee, and, and to this day <laughs> I still remember that. So uh, an unfortunate 
memory at uh, good old Jack Murphy Stadium, but, um, you know, that, that was the deed. We'll start off with that one because it was a, you know, a, kind of it's all embedded in our minds, and we'll actually get to it, some good ones. Nick, uh, any, th- any thoughts on our your experience with Miss Barr? Luckily, I was a youngin' when I attended it, and I think I've blacked out most of it since then, thankfully. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, well then, Nick, I'll stay with you. What's one of your um, – give, give me one of your most memorable moments, uh, you know, call it Qualcomm or, or Petco as a Padre fan. Well, at, at good old Qualcomm or Jack Murphy, as we used to call it, um, obviously the Padres have never thrown a no-hitter. Unfortunately, we've had a number of no-hitters thrown against us. And unfortunately, I attended one at Qualcomm. And it was against the Florida Marlins, or I believe Miami Marlins at the time. And uh, A.J. Burnett. And it was one of those games where if you didn't really look at the scoreboard, you wouldn't have thought you were getting no hit. And the reason why is because it was probably the second worst no hitter of all time. He had nine walks that game. The all-time record is ten, which was done once. And once with nine, which is A.J. Burnett's against the Padres. So he had nine walks and seven strikeouts. Officially one of the ugliest no-hitters in Major League Baseball history. We had base runners on the entire game. In fact, he walked every position player in the lineup at least once and walked Ryan Klesko and an old-school name, Bubba Trammell, both of those members twice. So pretty interesting right there. Wow. Well – you know, speaking of no hitters, that's something that the Padres have not had the benefit of being on the right side of that history thus far. Um, hopefully, in our as we move into the second half of our uh, century of baseball, if you will, the Padres can can change that around. We've got several guys who I think are, are candidates for that. You know, I'll, I'll say Nelson Lamed or Chris Paddock feel like are, are prime to be the guys who who do that. I think both of them went at least seven innings last year with no hit ball. Um, we just we just need two more innings, guys. That's that's all we, that's all we're asking for. Uh, so hopefully somebody can get that. Um, uh, you know, George. How about how about give me give me a positive one, um, and, and I'll I'll wrap up with a, a couple of mine. Um, give me a positive one that that's not Roseanne Barb. We'll we'll shift gears to something that maybe is one of your one of your favorites. Yeah. So um, so there, I've gone to a ton of games and obviously a lot of great moments and. Um, including one in the playoffs of 98, which we talked off camera before, uh, you know, I was going to go with that, but you know, after thinking about it, I'd say it'd actually be the opener of 1987, man, April 13th, um, was able to see, uh, a back to back to back home run, uh, by Mr. Marvel Wynn, followed by Tony Gwynn and John Cruck. Wow. And, uh, you don't see that every day, especially from our, uh, San Diego Padres. And, uh, it was, it was an awesome moment, man. Just got into the seats and, uh, Yeah. It was good to see the the back to back to back. I was also in attendance for that. I think it was probably like the twelfth game of the year. It was the first. It was the home opener, but it, the Padres had been playing for almost two weeks at that point. Uh, I guess I think it was against the Giants. If I is that right? I, I believe that was I, against the I Giants. Yeah, that's right. Uh, in, interesting. Well, you know, I would say there's a handful that that stick out to me. Um, I'm going to date myself a little bit. I was a a little guy at the time, or um, old enough to remember the game, but I was uh, so I was in attendance for the '84 series when the Padres played the Cubs and the, the Cub Busters. So getting to see Garvey's home run and the Padres to finish finish off the Cubs in Game Five was pretty exciting. Um, 
you know, two others that stand out are I got to see Gwyn's 2000 hit against the Rockies. And I believe in the same series um, was when Trevor Hoffman got his uh, first major league save. Uh, at the time, it certainly didn't feel like a big deal, but I remember him being the guy getting the save, and I was like, oh, okay. And then, sure enough, he grabbed the reins and became our, you know, Hall of Fame closer, which was exciting as a former shortstop who the Padres grabbed in the um, Gary Sheffield trade. Um, and actually, one thing, we actually, before we wrap up, guys, one thing that we, we'd be amiss if we didn't talk about here is um, we want to send our thoughts and uh, our prayers uh, out to... Tony Fernandez and his family, um, you know, Padre community lost Tony Fernandez uh, just just a couple days ago here, and it's a uh, you know sad day. He, he only was with the Padres for a couple seasons, but one of the smoothest shortstops you'll ever see. Um, guys, have any any final moments or things you want to say about just the you know your your time and your experience with Tony Fernandez? Uh, for me, yeah, just a true professional. Uh, the two years he was here, he gave us all he had. Uh, just from, you know, on the baseball diamond, smooth shortstop. Uh, we had a great team, you know, in terms of McGriff, uh, you know, Tony Fernandez. We had, you know, we, we, we had a good team. Gary Sheffield was on the team, but just overall good guy. I know, uh, you know, he was big in the Toronto community, was on the Yankees as well, but uh, he's going to be missed. And again, like you said, thoughts and prayers to the family. Yeah, Nick, any final thoughts there on, on uh, Mr. Fernandez? Uh, it's... It can definitely tell you how, uh, how short life is and, and how precious every day is. So um, Tony Fernandez, a, a young man, gone well before, uh, well before his time. Well, Nick, George, that does it for tonight. Thanks for a great show, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Friar Lounge Podcast. For more awesome content about your San Diego Padres, visit our website, friarlounge.com, or check us out on Twitter or Facebook. Have a great week. And go Padres!